0: are we doing this really wait for it are we doing this wait for it wow what the fuck WTF. and it's also eh, what the fuck what's wrong with me it's time for wtf what the fuck with mark Maron. okay let's do this hold on a minute let me turn the heater off in my garage Sorry, it's a little chilly out here, what the fuckers, what the fuck buddies. Hope everybody's okay. I am in Los Angeles in the garage. Just got back from Seattle. We got the live show this Friday. If you are in the L.A. area and you do want to come to see a live what the fuck taping, it's at the UCB, the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater here in Los Angeles. You can go to uh, Los Angeles, UCB, dot com. So it's Los Angeles.UCB theater.com and get reservations. It's at uh, 8 o'clock Friday night. Jeff Garland, Jimmy Pardo, uh, who may be out of work as of that day. He's uh, the warm-up guy for Conan. Uh, Kate Micucci, uh Jim Earl, and Eddie Pepitone. So uh, come see that. There's I don't know if there's any tickets left, quite honestly, but but check in with that. There's another thing I want to plug right up here up front, because I did something last night. I put a lot of work in, and I might be dying because of it. That's what I'm going to tell you. How's that for a tease, my friends? Is that something? Look, I'm doing this Comedy Central pilot with Chelsea Peretti who you met the other day. And that tapes next week. That tapes next Thursday. I'll give you that information in a minute after I tell you what I did. Okay, part of the bit, part of the piece, part of the show that we're doing is there's sort of a correspondence piece. The show is called WTF, and I do uh, I did a what the, you know, what the fuck a correspondence piece. And as I talked about on this show before, I'm a little preoccupied with food in many different ways. And I'm horrified at the amount of food waste if I really think about it. It's not something a lot of people want to think about for some reason, but it's, it's daunting to think about just how much food is thrown in the garbage in this country, in this world, on a day-to-day basis. It's just your average supermarket throws away like, you know, like 1,200 pounds of food a day, edible food. So I get this idea to do a segment about that, and we contact a couple of people. They're called freegans. A freegan, these two, there's several of them. There was a movement of some kind. There still is a bit. Is somebody that lives on almost no money and shares everything, and they are very anti-consumer capitalism, and they believe that everybody should be provided for and everybody can be provided for if it wasn't for capitalism and consumerism. So they go dumpster diving, and they share the food with uh, the people they live with. And they have a soup kitchen at the organization that they, they work in. And they, they sometimes use the food for, for that. But I decided I'd go with them. That was uh, the idea. So we go out last night. Thank God it didn't rain. We're going to dumpsters. I'm suited up. These are nice people. Good, decent uh, Christian people. So I'm suited up. Of course, I oversuited up. I had waiters on. And, but, uh, you know, I'm in the can. We're finding all kinds of stuff. It was really disgusting. Now, it wasn't disgusting being in the garbage. It wasn't disgusting uh, going through the garbage. What was disgusting was how much unopened good food that we found, you know, crates of heavy cream, crates of orange juice, all sorts of dinners, bread unopened. It was sad. I mean, it just gets thrown in the garbage. So here's what happens. And you'll you'll probably get to see this if you come down to the uh, the the pilot. I'm in the garbage and I sort of, I, I don't know what I did, but I stepped, and it just rained, and I stepped in a way where this huge explosion of garbage water came right up into my face, into my face, into my nose, into my mouth, and into my eyes. Garbage water. What is more disgusting than garbage water? There's nothing more disgusting than that. It, I mean, I, and it's all on tape. They captured it on tape. Right now, I could have God knows what crawling through my eyeballs into the back of my head staph infection e. coli conjunctivitis from cabbage i don't know where it comes from some sort of garbage eye syndrome i don't even know if i'll be able to do the show next week because i might have some sort of pussy you know gangrenous um you know wound or or uh boil some sort of uh, gargantuan sty on my eye from taking the hit doing a comedy bit wow uh, but, you know, quite honestly, I'm glad they got it on tape. I am glad they got it on tape. But that's just one of the things you can see. If you come to the Comedy Central stage at the Hudson Theater, it's on uh, 6539 Santa Monica Boulevard. It's right at Hudson Street. It's, uh, it's uh, you know, Hudson between Highland and Vine. It's, uh, yeah, right around there. But it, this is just for people who live in Los Angeles. It's next Thursday, the 28th, 7 p.m. Now, you got to call because they they don't publicize this stuff. So 323 323- 960 5519 for reservations. 323 960 5519 for reservations. That's next week at the uh, Comedy Central stage, my uh, WTF Comedy Central pilot presentation at 7 p.m. Please come to that and come to the UCB uh, this Friday, tomorrow, if you'd like to be part of that. Um, a lot, you know, there's a lot of stuff to comment on. There's a lot of things to talk about. Yeah, I'm, I'm furious. You, you know, some of you guys know about my political views or my political side. Yeah, All I wanted was a, a public option. That's all I wanted. was was healthcare that was affordable for everyone. Because to me, that is future thinking. That is foresight. That is having vision. Instead of selling out and getting people to defend insurance companies, everyone being covered would have changed the emotional, spiritual, and mental disposition of this country, not to mention the economy. But now we're not going to get it. And now... Ted Kennedy's Senate seat is a Republican. I am so disgusted and disappointed with Obama, with 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 Democrats in general. And, and, and I don't, I'm not even paying that much attention to it because I don't have to, because I. it's not my job anymore to do that. But I'm just disgusted to the point where I'm literally like, you know what? We're going to get what we deserve. No one's fighting a good fight. Is there a good fight? Sure, there is. But why bother with it if we have Avatar? Why bother with it? And a lot of people are asking me to comment on the um, on the Conan Leno thing. Look, I, I think what we're seeing, you know, by and large, even with the presidency, is that corporations don't give a fuck what you think. They you know corporations don't care. They don't care. They just look at their bottom line, whatever your principles are or whoever you think you are. If it isn't in the main number of people that they're getting their money from, they don't care. They assume you'll get over it or die. They're just like, whatever, you know, the numbers don't indicate that the numbers don't indicate or else they'll try to dupe you into being one of the numbers that they can run money through. I mean, the thing that's scary about Conan and but you know, obviously I'm not making a direct correlation between, you know, Con- Conan and the president. But corporate occupation is corporate occupation. Corporations bend people to do what they want them to do. And corporations own the president. And corporations own congressmen. Corporations own Conan. Corporations own just about everything. I'll tell you one thing, they don't own me right now. I granted the Electric Company. Right now, if it wasn't for the Electric Company, I couldn't do what I'm doing right now. But you get my gist. So they said that Conan didn't perform. And I, you know, quite honestly, what chance did he have, you know, following that Jay Leno mess? I believe that NBC kept Jay Leno there as a placeholder and they knew that they were this this could happen. I, I, I always thought that Conan was up against a tremendous challenge for somebody of his sensibility. I knew that he couldn't bend uh, his sensibility into what was expected in that spot. And and NBC, it's, it's weird at that level of show business, but it is just The Tonight Show. It's an important franchise, but it's just television. Zucker, the evil bastard, and NBC said, fuck it, we'll take the hit, let's, let's, let's put Jay back. And, and, and Zucker today, or yesterday, said, look, you people, this will blow over. That's corporate thinking. They realize that our memories our, our short-term memories and our intention span has been so plundered and busted and shattered that we are all leveled to a to you know, really the attention span of infants for the most part. Uh, this all happened through uh, cell phone usage, computers, immediate gratification, uh, the need to have things when we want them right now. Uh, it, and really it succeeded in making us all you know completely fucking infantile uh, mentally, and things do blow over. Uh, not only will this blow over, but I think this is the same thinking that you're seeing from the Obama administration. Just, you know, let's just pander to the middle. Let's just get as many people as we want. And we'll disenfranchise all of the left. Most of the Democrats we will placate Wall Street, we will placate the insurance companies and fuck it. If people are sick, let them die. If they're broke, they'll figure it out. They'll move to the streets. No, what will happen is there'll be a fascistic backlash that we're never going to get out from under. Obviously, that's not the same with Conan. You know, did he have enough time to plant himself there? I think he probably had enough time to make an impact and for people to get to know him. Unfortunately, that time was tainted by the fact that the dinosaur, Jay Leno, was, you know, was doing an hour before him and losing people. But their belief is that, you know, Conan's too weird. He's too awkward. He's too whatever for what we used to have in that time slot. So let's put the uh, let's put the pablum guy back. Let's put the the let's pander to the mediocre. Let's let's just try to get those numbers of those people back and and fuck Conan. Pay him thirty million dollars. It's worth thirty million dollars for them to pay him out. I I feel bad for the people that had jobs there. I feel bad for Conan. I wish he had a better shot. I wish he had a clean shot. He didn't get a clean shot because they didn't have faith in him and they set him up from the beginning. And and as a selfish person, I really wanted. To make my Tonight Show debut with my buddy Conan. That's not going to happen. But I think that one of the lessons to be learned is that, look, even when you think you got it all set, even when you think you're on easy street, I mean, shit man, it can happen to anybody. A lot of people out of work. And I, I have no sympathy for Jay Leno. I mean, quite honestly, you know, he's a, got a billion dollars. Just get out of the way. But I, I never liked him. I never understood it. I, I barely ever watched him. I never tried to get on that show. I've always been kind of loyal, which is I don't know. It doesn't seem to make matter for much in this world these days. But, you know, Dave was my guy and Conan was my guy. And I, you know, that was the way that was the way it was. Now I might have to try to get on Jimmy Kimmel because he sort of uh, he resurrected himself in my book with that thing he did to Jay on Jay's show. I mean, that was about as funny as ever I've ever seen Jimmy. And, and yeah, he's always been a nice guy to me. But uh, I don't know. Never liked Jay. Now he's back. Used to like Obama. Now, I'm not so sure. Today, I'm very excited uh, to to have interviewed my buddy David Tell. Now, David Tell is one of these guys that I've known a long time, and he's a funny fucking guy. And there is no denying it. He's just plain funny. But I mean, the real challenge with Dave is, What's underneath the funny? Like I've known him a long time. We have not had many conversations. He's very bright. He's very, you know, uh, he, he's a very sensitive guy. He's, uh, you know, he's got a life like everybody else. But not many of us know about Dave's life. Dave was a guy. He'd be like, hey, what's up? Okay, see you later. And then he's gone. And you know, it was very hard to, to have a conversation with him. And I got I to gotta be honest. It, it, there's no, he'll, he'll make you laugh every time. He makes me laugh every time, effortlessly, which is a gift. To me, because I'm not that easy to laugh. I'm getting easier as I get older. But when I to set this up a little bit, I knew he was going to be out here. So I reached out. I said, do you want to do the podcast? He says, yeah, all right. You know, I'm, and now this I'm actually doing David Tell's text. OK, I'll be there. Uh, so so I get in touch with him when, he, when he's out here and we go back and forth with text a little bit. He's like, when? And I, again, I'm reading into the tone of his text. And I tell him what day and then all of a sudden I get this text today. We're supposed to do it. Are we doing it or what? And I'm like, I said, what? yeah, I thought we were, but I didn't hear back from him. He's like, I texted you twice. And, uh, you know, I didn't get any text from him. And I like I didn't get any. What do you want to do? Do you want to come out? He's like, I don't know. I don't have time now. So I'm like, fuck. I, you know I got to uh you know so I, I I I call him and I say look I'll bring the rig I'll bring my uh you know my 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 um on the road rig where are you staying he's like all right so come you know and, but then he calls me back he's like I'm sorry I texted the wrong person you didn't get any text from me and he says are we doing this I said well look we don't we don't we don't have to do it right now he goes I thought this was your job now <laughs> So I'm like, all right, all right, all right. I'm coming, I'm coming. So I bring the, I put the mics and the recorder in the car and I'm driving there and I'm like, oh my God, how is this going to last more than 10 minutes? He's in a cranky mood. How am I going to get through to him? You know, (laughs) because I've known him a long time and it's not an easy conversation. So I met him at Mel's Diner and we went and uh, we, we went outside to where he was staying in Hollywood. It was like, you know, three in the afternoon and me and Attell are sitting out by the pool, He's got a pack of American Spirits, a chocolate chip cookie, a bag of Skittles that he gave to me, uh, two large coffees. And uh, it was it was really great. Uh, You know, it's one of those things where it was like it was great to get to know a guy I've known for, you know, for as long as I've known him, which is some some of the great stuff on this podcast is about that. You know, I've just I've known him. I've loved the guy for a long time, but we just don't you know, we don't hang out. Dave's the kind of guy that just sort of disappears into the night. Where's Dave? I don't know. He was just here. Where does he go? No one knows where he goes. Well, for this hour coming up, I know where we were. We were sitting next to a pool during the day. So enjoy this interview with David Tell. Let's do it. Right, I'm talking to David Teller at the hotel by the pool after I picked him up at Mel's Diner. And apparently I missed Dan Cook and Robert Kelly.
1: Yeah, it was pretty cool because, you know, it was back... It was like old school comedy where we all, you know, have nothing to do during the day. We're hanging out, having a very long lunch, brunch. This is cool being poolside as the sounds of the city. Yeah. You know, like we're in like this little lot. I don't want to give away the hotel, but... It's not the best Western.
0: No, it's a little nice. It's, it's I've never been in here. It's a little yeah, it's, courtyard situation. It's nice, right? So wait, so you're sitting with Dane Cook and Bob Kelly? Yeah.
1: Well, no, they just came over and said hello.
0: Oh, mm-hmm. they didn't bother you?
1: No, we. I know, I know. Uh, Bobby we know really Bobby well, and really. I did a, a special with Dane. So.
0: Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know Dane at all, and I've never gotten on board with the uh, the bitch about Dane Cook thing. But okay, did he exude a, a certain amount of uh, confidence and energy?
1: He just looked like a guy coming from a, a brunch. I don't I don't know what that means. He's been touring. He's been do- touring nonstop. So we, we always talk about touring. And, you know, like uh, he does it at a different level. But, you know, touring is touring. Whether yeah. you're in a private jet or in the back of a trailways bus, you know. <laughs> Still being away from friends and family. Does anybody do the Trailways bus anymore? They're trying to get me to take a bus from uh, Vancouver to... um, Edmonton? Yeah, something like that. I'm like, am I a folk singer? What is that? A bus? How can the bus be quicker than the train? I mean, I know Canada is a magical place, but... Doesn't train beat bus anywhere in the world? Can't you fly? I'm not going to fly anywhere. Uh, fly forty minutes with another three hours of vicious pat downs. Yeah, <laughs> is it a forty? Have you mi- been on a plane lately? I mean, when was the last time you were on? Maybe a few weeks ago. Before it was
0: long before whatever happened last week or whatever. did you
1: stop flying nine eleven? No. By that I mean eighteen nine eleven. <laughs> <laughs> no. What is it bad now? When it's horrible. You, what happened to you? No, it, it's not what happened to me. It's just it takes a long time. And uh, you know, there's a what you call it. Uh, you know, there's this mood in the air of just like, it. it you know, you're gonna miss your flight, and yeah, you never yeah, miss yeah. your flight, and Panic. then you're on the, yeah, then you're on the tarmac for two hours waiting. Yeah, are a, you
0: uncomfortable with that with the X-ray of your balls thing? I mean, that uh, the naked pictures.
1: Well, I don't know if it's. I don't know. They say that the guy who actually sees you naked is in another room, but when I walked through, they said, uh, "All right, have a good flight, Chode." <laughs> And that's not. That's not good. That's an easy one. A- Sorry, everyone. That, that's an easy one. So I, you know,
0: I get a lot of guys who listen to this show that are kind of, you know, comedy. There are a lot of comics who listen to this thing. Yeah, oh, yeah. And I've known you for uh, probably twenty five years. I think we've right.
1: I know, but that's funny how you're doing a show for comics. Well, no, they <laughs> well, they
0: listen, you know, and they and they they want to learn things. Right. And I I've known you like twenty five years. I think the longest conversation we had was eight and a half minutes. So this is uh this is good. Mm-hmm. All right. And not that we don't like each other, it's just you know at some point it just I've
1: always been a huge fan of yours. So. Well,
0: I appreciate that. I have. <laughs> but what uh now as many of you know, Attel is uh, also uh the creator of the Attel rhythm and cadence that has been appropriated and utilized by by many young comics. Does yes. that
1: does that affect you at all? Um, I don't know. I mean, as my career slowly slides into oblivion. <laughs> yeah. Um i guess in a way it's kind of endearing but they they might have my rhythm and cadence but they seem to back it up with a lot of street jokes and um yeah and whatever you know i'm always a fan of like a well-written joke but a lot of these guys uh seem to just kind of you know they just drive really put less time on the bong and more time on the on the uh, notepad the... Might, might help some now you
0: do you, you want to what are you doing
1: I'm just taking a sip of coffee. All
0: right. Yeah. I didn't know we had to hold
1: it. This is like a, a Vegas lounge act where we have to hold the thing the whole time. Well, it's better. The sound
0: quality's better. Yeah. Well, you're smoking and you, you go, we'll have a co- co- hit of coffee. I, we can edit this thing.
1: Okay. You're looking at like cringing because you're a one-man operation. Yeah, we can edit it
0: No, I could do it. We—I got another guy. I got a guy in New York who does it. We got two coffees. We got a pack of cigarettes. Got a fruit salad. You gave me a, a bag of Skittles. I think we're good. You got a cookie and a croissant.
1: <laughs> you got to back some of this stuff up with some um, uh, pictures. You know. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I'm
0: not quite that advanced. You're a compulsive joke writer. Yes. Is it, now do you when you write things down like you have your notebook all the time when you write them down do you write in jokes do you think in jokes well
1: it's it's not so much the writing of the joke it's the listening to them not bomb and then trying to rewrite them
0: no i used to watch you like years ago where you'd start with a joke and then you know over about 3 or 4 nights you mm. deconstruct it nine times mm. and drain all the
1: funny out of it it was quite an experience. You know you, you figure like doing like taking a joke and working it three different ways would translate well to TV writing it doesn't it translates <laughs> it translates to uh the producer guy going like, so what do you want to do? Like, what is the idea now? What, is, what? it's like? No, I thought about it last night. We're going in the total wrong direction. We have to get a parrot. Don't ask me why. I mean, you know, if I was Spike Jones, that would make perfect sense. Right. But uh, <laughs> but you're David Tell. Yeah. Well, what's going on with your? Uh, do you feel like your draws and what it used to be? Well, rightfully so. You know, the more you get distant from your credits, like you know, uh, you know, whether it's a uh, Comedy Central stuff or. I guess that's the only thing people know me from. But, uh, you know, the further you get away from it, the the less people come out. But I have to say the crowds are better now than they were way back when, uh, you know, I was, like, on TV because it's not so many drunk frat guys. It's just, you know, there's a lot of people who, like, like comedy. And, like, your name comes up a lot when they go, like, people I like to watch and people who they think are cool. And those people are great. Unfortunately, there's not thousands of them. You know, there's a couple of hundred. Right, I know, yeah. And uh, that's, I guess the ones that you do it for because What's, I love doing comedy I don't like any of the other parts of it the promotion the traveling the uh, you know uh, all that kind of stuff that that sucks well I think it's, it must be like the fact
0: that you built this huge army of uh, of uh, you know drunken children and
1: I and I assume that they're, uh, yeah, they're old now yeah that's what I mean is that the ones that stuck with you are probably still coming out and they're happy to see you well it depends because uh, you know a lot of them know my, my like Skanks for the Memories like was it the first CD I did and that's like Six years old, and I'm doing another CD. That's why, um, you know, like, I've kind of, like, I might do a special, but I think the CDs are where it's at for my kind of material, because yeah. my material is very jokey, Yeah, and I think people like to listen to my stuff, like, in a car Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh while they're getting wasted in a car <laughs> or, like, wasted at a party or, like, you know, just in a dorm room looking at the ceiling. <laughs> so, you know, I think the CD's the way to go, and there's a lot of hour specials out there, so, but... I haven't um, done one. You've never done an hour special? no. Well, why don't you do one? Okay, I'll do one. You su- you've got the audio. All you need is that little flip camera, and you're ready to rock. I mean, have you seen some of these specials? They're like shot and like poor. They're shot by like really supposedly big name director people, yeah. and they look like they're yeah birthday party video, man. Yeah, I had a,
0: I had a guy approach me. And I'm go, I'm going to go do a set at the Ha Ha Cafe tonight. Yeah. in uh, in the valley, and some guy approached me there. He says, "Look, we can do a three camera shoot. Uh, See, we- crane shot." Right over the salad bar? Yeah. It's perfect. It's yeah. perfect. We just got to get the guy to turn the TV off during the set. Mm. Do you play clubs anymore? I mean, like... I play right clubs mostly. And, yeah.
1: And uh, that was the thing that, that uh, you know, I kept doing continuously. I do some theater shows, but I'm not really a good theater act. I really, you know... Why? We could talk about it for hours. Because good theater acts bring the crowd to them, and I always still feel this need to, like, throw energy at the crowd. Right. And that just looks, you know, stupid, I think. But... You mean you know, like you you, you you mean
0: like take the stage and just you know br- let the crowd come to them and you just keep pushing? Yeah, it. like
1: believe in what you're saying and not use your your comedy club skills of like you know working the crowd and all that kind of stuff. And when you're in the theater, you got to really kind of you got to commit. And like the the great comics, the ones who have like something to say, whether it's political or they got talking about like like Louis with his family or yeah. you know some of these other people, it's very difficult. To just tell joke after joke after joke in a theater, because people are like, okay, well, if I don't get this one, I'll just tune back in on the next one, you know. Or else, or also,
0: the, you got to give a little more time. for the True. Yeah. And, and 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 your pace is very rapid. You're like a joke machine.
1: Yeah, I, I slow down a little bit thanks to the stroke. <laughs> no, but I I, I I agree with you on that. Now you're more of a theater act than I am, you know.
0: Sure. I, my my issue is really just uh, you know getting people to the theater.
1: Yeah, you have um, I think you have a disconnect with your audience.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm using this right now as we speak to connect with my audience.
1: Well, I think that's great that you take time out of your schedule to you do might, it. My busy schedule. <laughs> my busy schedule. Here we are schedule. sitting in the hotel you own, <laughs> trying to get work. See, isn't it the good what? thing about this hotel? And we're not going to say which one it is, but I've stayed at the Roosevelt Hotel. I've stayed at the Standard. Oh, the, what was and right. like they have a pool, but it's not like a pool like this. Like this is a great pool for swimming. Maybe you can. Um, you know, do some fake diving, like pretend you're underwater. Or something. Yeah, their their pool is like very shallow and you're just supposed to tan around it. It's also like a dance club pool. Do yeah, you, any he, of the,
0: you go to the Roosevelt. I don't know about the Roosevelt, but the standards like some sort of weird clusterfuck.
1: Well, I'm way too old. I'm I'm too old and too ugly to be in that hotel. Like the standard, you have to be have a good looking. You have to have, a, you know, some kind of modeling experience. To, and you
0: should always be hanging with someone who has an English accent or a Swedish accent. Yeah, there's accent. a lot of
1: Inglos, yeah. Anglo people over there. And they're not all comics, because I thought every Englishman in America was a comic. <laughs> no. But, uh, <laughs> do you go to England? No, I haven't been there in a long time. I, I'm, I was going to set up a, a run over there. That's like where you do theater shows. But, you know, like I said, like the, uh, most of the flying I do now is like for the USO. Like, I'll go to Iraq, but I wouldn't go to England. What yeah, I'd sh- like to go to uh, England.
0: What are those shows like? Who do you go with, usually? I mean, who's on the show? Well, the
1: last one I did was a bigger show, because I got to fly on Air Force Two. Really? That's like Air Force One, but not as good. But it, you, uh, really? Yeah, because it was the uh, command, it was the chairman of the of the Joint Chiefs. So he's like, really, he controls the whole military. And he's a cool dude. His name's uh, Mike Mullen. And he puts, he does a holiday tour every year. And it was me, Billy Ray Cyrus, and Anna Kornikova. And Anna Kornikova's 80-year-old coach, who uh, was a tennis guy, but he does like inspirational speaking, which I don't know if they really need it once they're there. <laughs> once you're a Marine? I yeah, he was an talk. ex-paratrooper, but he was saying stuff like, you know, I don't wanna die, you don't wanna die, so win, you know. Yeah, keep your eye on the ball. (laughs) And you know, I was thinking like, you know they could have gotten, like, the winner of The Biggest Loser would have probably connected more with these kids. You know, like, I was fat, now I'm thin. Now do the same thing to those Taliban. (laughs) But did they have a Bob Hope kind of hosty person? Uh, Yeah, I got to banter it out with her, you know, with Anna. Who hosted it? I was hosting it. Oh, you hosted it. Yeah, and they would bring me out, and, you know, like a lot of guys know me from back then. And here's the weird thing about this whole war that we have. Our troops keep going over and over and over, and I've been over there a couple times. So... Guys will come up to me and go, like, I saw you here in 04. <laughs> I saw you here in 07. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, you know, you want to do new material, especially when you guys hold them a machine gun.
0: You, you realize you get repeat crowds? Yeah, yeah, like three know. years later?
1: And then some of them will go, like, you know, I'm in the National Guard. By the way, the National Guard guys really deserve a lot of credit because they're the ones who, like, have a real job. You know, like, they have a job back in the States, and they get called up. And, and then they the have to first go away one's for in. 16, no, that's. That's not look, true. You are such a. You, do you know we have an army here? Yeah. All right. You're like a... All right. What, go ahead, That summer it. in Israel didn't toughen you up, did no, I? it? No, did. I
0: didn't do a summer in Israel. Yeah, well, maybe, do you think I did two maybe weeks that's to... the problem what, with, with your me?
1: whole life. You never did that summer in Israel. The kibbutz? Yeah. I, did you? <laughs> you should have went over there with a girlfriend and watched her slowly get fucked by every guy named Duty and Yanni in the country. <laughs> I mean, that's a curse on your uh, uh, blog. Of course. Is a family-friendly? What's the rating on this? Explicit. <laughs> Is it like a video
0: game? I get a lot of 14-year-olds <laughs> listening to it. I get a certain type of uh, dis... Uh, kind of disturbed
1: cynical 14 year olds that write me emails thanking me for letting them be assholes well you know changing you, lives every day here's the problem with with guys like us like uh, we for every bad idea we have yeah. we might have okay for every hundred bad ideas we have yeah. we have one good idea like your good idea was that jerusalem syndrome syndrome right yeah because then you see like the bill Maher thing right? right you know he did a movie about the middle east and everything like that now i saw his thing and i and i read your thing and i think your thing was cool because right. it was a different take on it and like especially now with like the Middle East and religion and all that kind of stuff I thought that was a great kind of like religion who gives a shit right. you know like is there any answers right. we're all looking for answers right. so I thought that was a cooler thing than the whole you know like he
0: uh, seemed to make a lot more money than I did Yeah, well, I'd like to have one of those good ideas where I make a million dollars
1: well, you know, the guy who invented Gumby died. Yeah. And uh, I watched his documentary on the Sundance Channel. That was me watching that. Yeah. And he he created this thing. He was he grew up, you know, in a sad... He was like an orphan. Like You yeah. remember that, those times when, like, white kids were orphans? Yeah. Yeah. Like that type of the depression. The depression, era. the dust bowl yeah, orphans. Yeah, like when white kids, for some reason, didn't have families. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he created this thing out of loneliness. And he he's immediately like once it hit, he like tripped out. He like discovered LSD, left his family and like, you know, went to find himself was sitting in uh, India, you know, cross legged doing the whole like, you know, hippie experience. Yeah. And this thing became a huge hit. And then, uh, you know, he uh, was. Gumby. Selling, yeah. Gun, yeah. And then it went down and then went up and, you know, he was selling gumbies at a flea market, him and his like third wife. And it became a hit again. It became like a late-night like college thing to check out Gumby uh, movies. And, you know, that might be your thing, man. You never so know. So you're
0: saying, out of my loneliness and pain, I have to create something like a, a plastic or, or claymation? Yeah, I know.
1: Yeah, I didn't really give you the answer. I just gave you an what, example. Uh, 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 what's your big idea? I don't know, man. I think of a lot of great ideas, but nobody uh, nobody seems to get them until they're already on television. <laughs> A <laughs> like, la Dirty Jobs. <laughs> was that your idea? Well, I always said that, like, I used to do sh- uh, jobs Somia, on my I, show, and we, I said, would it be great if we just did a show of jobs, of really cool third third shift jobs? I was like, no, that will never work. And then uh, there's, like, every other show is like, you know, Axemen, Ice Road Truckers, you know, real dudes, GEDs and <laughs> meth. You know, I got a GED and a meth problem. Check out what I do. <laughs> um, a family of chopper makers. <laughs> thought that would fucking succeed i don't know but steve Segal is out there right now he's, so, he's probably a he's by crime. here oh yeah is this his hood is yeah. this what he does i assume so they're all around does he use a gun or does he use his um <laughs> uh non-offensive aikido uh, to uh, subdue these crackheads i think he uses uh the gun and both a little okay. of both all right let's stick to a topic now how come you don't have that hour out there yet
0: Oh, because, well, I mean, I've talked to people about producing it. It's a matter of, like, you know, you got to get the money to produce it, and then, you know, you got to hope someone wants to buy it. I mean, I, I, if this Comedy Central thing goes, I'll do an hour. That's what it, real, it well, takes. What if no
1: one buys it? Would you put it on Netflix? Would you put it on iTunes? See, you got to think that way. I, and just sell it that way? Can you sell it that way? Yeah, you won't get the initial big check. But you'll get the uh, slow trickle of returns. I put an
0: hour on Vimeo, which is like YouTube, and people watch it. It was just a, like one camera. Is that UCB. Italian YouTube? Yeah, it's Vimeo? It's, <laughs> yeah, it's,
1: is that a Yugoslav yeah. knockoff? I just
0: put it out there for nothing. I got to quit putting stuff out there for nothing. Does that bother you? Do people shoot your shit and then. Put
1: yes. It, it does? Well, they YouTube it all the time. But uh, here's the problem with, with the YouTubing is that, you know, I think Pat and, Pat and Oswald said it best. Is like, you kind of like the joke isn't done yet. So, like, you're right. kind of YouTubing. You're putting up an f- unfinished product, you know. So you're not really stealing anything. If anything, you're like just making it harder to complete it.
0: But I've done that on Conan. I mean, I've done half-baked bits on Conan on panel that became jokes later. You know, I mean, that became no. bigger jokes. I mean, I, 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 don't. It doesn't happen to me that much, so I don't, I don't get that pissed off about it. I've not seen a lot of my stuff on YouTube.
1: I figured a guy like you would be all over YouTube, like from the. You do a lot of alternative shows, don't they? Don't they do that, or they don't?
0: I don't do a lot of alternative shows. No. I, you know, I, I I show up occasionally, and the, you know, and they they treat me like a, some sort of you know strange relic.
1: Yeah, you really are, uh, you know. You I'm a t-
0: singular force.
1: I always say that you were like right there when it happened. That whole alternative movement. Yeah, and, I'm, uh, I'm
0: I'm credited with helping it.
1: Yeah, and now you're too um, you're too real, and I'd say uh, like bitter might be the word, but more like real and like just you know like grown up it's not yeah it's not like the silly fun yeah i don't know what that is of today i can't i
0: can't even watch it i mean i don't know what your experience is in sitting in comedy clubs but i can literally sit in a comedy club for two hours with my eyes closed and not tell the difference between most people and and then when somebody gets up there that's a real person it's good i don't understand all the silly shit i wish i could be more silly like i would never think of gumby
1: yeah you know Well, take the gun out of your mouth and let's keep this going. But, you know, uh, it's not about Gumby.
0: Yeah, it's amazing to me when you go to an alternative room and you see a regular comic go up or or just a hacky comic. They are all excited as hell and it just kills.
1: I never kill in front of those. They always just look at me nodding like, "Mm." that's it. Why are you mad, old man?
0: (laughs) What's what's the matter, old man? Yeah,
1: exactly. (laughs) But I was always an old man. I was a young old man. And I have to tell you that writing jokes over and over and over, it really does destroy you. Because, uh, like, here I am, 20-something years into comedy, and, like, I finally got another midget bit, and I was excited. And, like, who can you tell that to when you're surrounded by midgets? I remember you always used to
0: come up to me. There was, like, specific sort of themes and topics that you would do, and you'd always ask me, like, what
1: time you came up to me. Like, do you do anything about uh, uh, jerking off on the Bible? <laughs> Well, I assume that you're, you know, there's people that I respect that I think are joke writers and I'm like, hey, got to, I'm going to ask this guy because I don't want to jack anybody else's bit. you, <laughs> you know? the
0: jerking off on the Bible bit. Did that ever yeah. turn into anything? No, it didn't. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Some of the bits <laughs> I don't have the balls to do. The that, lost that, ideas? That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. What was the bit? I don't know, but that's like, I have a lot of, um, I, I, I tried to be like the religious guy for you know, like I always come up with like one or two religious jokes, but I feel like uh, it's kind of overdone now, you know. Do you remember when you were younger and we were, you were all trying to figure out who the fuck we were? And, you know, yeah. you would,
0: there was a, like a like two or three week period where I think you went on stage as some sort of coach or something, or you would do characters occasionally, but they were really just you, but you would, you
1: would have. Oh, I would end up. I do mostly my dad on stage. You know, like my dad. When my I used to work for my dad, so I do. What like did he how do? We, work where? I, we used to. Have, uh, my parents had a, a a bridal dress tuxedo rental shop. Yeah, and I worked there from the time I was like sixteen till I was, I guess, nineteen. Yeah, and uh, you know, which is I guess slave, you know, underage, whatever, right? No, right. I guess not sixteen. But I was what like, what was uh, your job there? Like getting I, the shoes? I cleaned getting- the store. I was head of re- shipping and receiving. I sold shoes. You're
0: head of shipping and receiving?
1: Yeah, it was me and my grandpa. So I was his. <laughs> boss and um my dad used to the way he used to talk to me i would i i do that on stage as my control voice yeah which it helps me you know? what is that voice you know the uh, sarcastic um uh, what you call it biting cutting dude yeah you know? and, yeah uh, it, it works it definitely works because i realized that's how men talk yeah my dad was a man and that's how men talked and they didn't give sh- you know they would do things like i one time saw my dad with diabetes full-blown you know like diabetes lift uh, like a 150 pound cash register Like one of these old cash registers Just by himself And I was the guy Who was like working out You know back then I you know Every kid in Long Island Lifted weights And practiced karate I couldn't lift it And he like just fucking <laughs> lifted it yeah. Put it over there Lit a cigar And said like Okay what, what next What do we have to do next And I'm like Only a man can do that Because yeah. he knew it had to be done
0: What was that thing you said I remember I remember moments that you say Because they strike me As very funny and good and some of them uh, are not too painful. The uh, one time I was in front of Stand Up New York, and I just got that 93 Honda that I had, and Mm -hmm. uh, I said that I I got it from my dad. There's 150,000 miles on it, and he said, wow,
1: that's a lot of running away. (laughs) 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 Yeah, your dad was a very uh, John Updike type, wasn't he? (laughs) He, Finding uh, himself. Yeah,
0: I don't know. He was fighting some sort of fight. He's still fighting it.
1: My dad always said to me, he goes... um, you know, I would smoke pot if it was legal because he's, like, a Korean War guy. you know? Yeah. But he goes, yeah, I would have smoked pot. And, like, you know, all those guys, like my dad, they always they always felt like they dodged the bullet because they were too young for World War II. Right. You know, you're thinking, like, World War II, everybody, like, came home a hero. But they were, like, grew up during it and they saw the guys who died and, you know. And the guys who came home all fucked yeah, up. Yeah, all fucked up. Like, you don't really hear about those guys, you know. But, they, but every,
0: every war has those guys. They're yeah, well, just,
1: like, our, the wars that we have. Like, I've yeah. been to the uh, the hospitals for the troops. And this is a. I told this on other things, but I might as well tell you the whole thing. You go to Walter Reed, and and you, uh, which is where they bring them after they go to Germany, the troops that are wounded. Yeah. And like you see, a lot of guys going through vicious, hardcore rehab they've lost arms and legs. Yeah. And they've got a dog there, which I thought was like a seeing eye dog, but he's really just there to kind of be their friend and like you know when they're feeling down he can sense it and i'll come over to them and like they'll use him to lean you know to stand up and to start doing their exercises and walk so he's like a friend and um my joke is that i went to the hospital and this dog that can sense pain would follow me around <laughs> <laughs> this guy's there with no legs you know he's like no they're they're gonna make it this guy i don't know if... <laughs> but yeah he, he it, you know it's an amazing thing that what they go through but you know the psychological and emotional stuff, you know, we can only—we'll only know years from now the real toll of what's going on now. So, Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Well, that's good that you do that stuff. I've always wondered what it would be like for me to do it, but I never get asked to do it.
1: Well, you know, let me tell you, it's a hard show because you've got to keep it kind of clean, but they want it kind of dirty. And right. There's a lot of things you don't want to talk about. Like, you don't want to talk about family stuff because they all miss their families. You don't want to talk about, like— um, you know, like politics, because you know that's the last thing they want to hear about. Right. So there's a lot of no's in the uh, in the in the those kind of shows. But you know, you stick to the drinking and the porn stuff if you can say it. But they don't really, you know, like today's military. It's very, um, you know, there's a lot of women. There's a lot of, you know, it's it's not like it's not like uh, you know just like dudes are right there. You know, you gotta like. And they're also there because you know it's a job.
0: I mean, the guys yeah. I talk to and the emails I get from guys are like, look, you know, I I joined because I needed the money. I needed the job. A lot of them do, yeah. That there's not that sort of weird, uh, or not weird, but there's not that national pride. Like your dad, the Korean War, I mean, that
1: was a big fucking war. I just read the last new Philip Roth book. That was a messy, shitty war. Yeah, it never got the props that it deserved. Because it was a real, uh, you know who was uh, called up for the Korean War? Ed McMahon, because he was in the reserves. He was Uh tail end of World War II, and then they called him up for that. And uh, he was a pilot. And uh, Ted Williams also was a pilot. The baseball player? Yeah. So you don't see much of that now. George
0: Bush Sr., I think, was well. But I think that was World War II. No, X. no, he was
1: in World War II. He was the youngest pilot in the Navy. I know a lot of uh, stuff from the H- History Channel. So there's a great <laughs> tape of George Bush Sr. being rescued by a submarine. Right. Yeah. yeah. And he said, um, I can't believe I made it. I- I'm going to um, one day go home and have a son who's going to uh, fuck all this up. <laughs>
0: <I don't know.
1: laughs> yeah. Now, you're not a political comic, are you?
0: I, I did a lot of politics. I think I'm more of a social commentator. Oh, well, that's good. Because like now with the podcast, I, I couldn't be more happy to just talk about what's on my mind and not talk about you know uh, politics every day because it, it, it took a lot of work to yeah. stay up to date. I'm not sure it did me any good. I mean, I like knowing about it, and I got very involved with it, but I think that uh, when you go to clubs and stuff, Like the Air America thing, Mm -hmm. even if they're on your side, they're like, I don't know, he's going to separate the audience. It just means that half the people in their mind, half the people, (coughs) half the people aren't going to like you.
1: Yeah, well, uh, the Air America crowd must have been very, uh, you'd have to be really on your toes because they're like very politicized. Yeah, I
0: can't like I, I found myself, you know, because there's a lot of things that it's not that I'm not liberal. It just is a lot of things that, you know, that I'm not completely party
1: line with, you know. Oh, yeah. You don't talk about politics, though. I talk about the general stuff that you see, like, on the CNN banners, like health Right. And so then I'll, like, say, we need health care, you know, but I'm not, like, into the minutia of it. Is that the know? whole joke? Um, so <laughs> far, you know, like I said, I work them out. <laughs> I'm pro-health uh, care. That's as far as I got. And then I got sleepy. <laughs> but we've all, like, uh, you know, like, like, I've seen really... Really good political comics. Guys who were doing it before politics became, like, really cool to do. Right. And those are the ones, like, Lewis Black and people like that. Those are the guys who are really good at it. But
0: so. even him, he's, like, he speaks from the point of view of, a, like, a pissed off guy. Like, he makes right. it political. And I think Bill Maher is the, the guy, because he, he's basically an all-joke guy. Mm-hmm. But he's definitely got a point of view, and it's definitely to the left. But he's also pretty much of a, you know, dude's dude. You know, he's not, you know. Yeah,
1: he's a, he's a bachelor. He's yeah, a He's like a, a real cad. playboy. Yeah, he's a cad, but, uh, but that's Hollywood for you. You know, I think that that's what a middle America, like what the Republicans always say. That's that's the they don't that's Hollywood talking. That's not middle America talking. So
0: yeah, I don't know. I think a middle America sometimes they're not the
1: it's not so much that they're stupid. They just get a lot of shitty information and they're mad. Well, they love it like when a guy really can. Um, can you know like dumb it down. Like really like oh sure, like, this is what it it's, it's not, yeah It's never your fault. It's this. Yeah. You know? It's
0: that other guy's
1: see I don't believe the government can do anything. It can't even do anything right. Like yeah. kill the right people, you know, like on yeah. Death Row yeah. or you know, uh, protect people from this and that. Yeah. And, you know, it just it just uh
0: it's amazing. You know,
1: It's like uh, I know I'm on my own. I can deal with it. That's right. Oh, yeah. That's,
0: yeah, I think that's true for everybody. It's sad, but it's true. Well, I don't true. know. A lot
1: of people think the government's going to save them from shit, and I don't think it's going to happen.
0: Well, I, I've, I've realized that you're not going to be saved from anything. All you've got to do is you know, call customer service once or twice, and you realize, like, yes,
1: well, no one's going to help me. <laughs> no yes. Help <laughs> you've been to Best Buy. I mean, none <laughs> Wait, of them really care about you. No one cares about anything. Yeah, I, I guess you're right about that. And, um, you know, now with the Olympics coming. That'll see, change everything. See, that's something that I've always tried to have an Olympic joke. But as time goes on, I realize the Olympics are not for me. They're for, like, children or, or like, uh, weird people enjoy the Olympics. <laughs> well, you, I don't. You better prepare some stuff for Vancouver, buddy. I know. I know. It's right there. It's <laughs> happening. Which, in a town of potheads and unsigned bands, you know, uh, in a town of, of people who kind of sort of wrote on kids in the hall. Have you been up there before? Uh, only like for a day or two, you know. Every time I'm up there, I always think, I feel
0: like the entire city was built out of a kit. Like it was made, it came in one big box that was just there and they built it. It feels like those movies from the 70s that were made about the future. Like I've always said about Vancouver, you get this feeling that everyone should be walking around wearing the same color jumpsuit and wrap around (laughs) sunglasses.
1: (laughs) Well, everybody up there has been um, in one of our movies, you know, because they shoot a lot of movies up there or a lot of TV shows. So you're like, who is that guy that just gave me a coffee? Wasn't he an extra in an episode of Bones? <laughs> Wasn't he a, a car accident patient? You know. Are you doing any... Are, what's, go, what's going on with this? What is that show that you were doing? Uh, it's called Dave's Old Porn, and right now we're waiting to hear if G4 will pick it up. So it's about... What I do is I take the classic porn of the 70s, like a Debbie Does Dallas or a Deep Throat, and we go through the movie and we talk... More about the story than the sex, because back then the porn movies actually had stories. Like the opening of Misty Beethoven? Right, like that kind of stuff. That movie changed my life. Or Behind the Green Door? Yeah, those are good examples of the kind of movies that we're talking about. And then I'll bring out another comic, like Judah Friedlander, he was on it. And then we'll bring out people who were actually in the movies. Really? And these are like the old porn stars from the golden age. Like, and lot-
0: uh, What's that guy who went to Columbia? The guy from opening of Misty Beethoven? Um, uh, is oh, is it Evan Stone or no. something like that?
1: No. He was uh, no Evans. He's,
0: Evan's he's, before, he was a spanker. Uh, he likes spanking people. His name is um, Jamie Gillis.
1: Oh yeah, Jamie is a really cool guy. I met him through uh, Yoshi, who works in the porn business. He's a comic, and uh, Jamie is a really cool guy. So if this went for a series, we would bring out a guy like Jamie. Yeah, he's and, a pretty
0: smart guy. He was like a Columbia graduate, yeah. I think. And a lot of those guys. He's were- the Elliot
1: Gould of the porn world. He also created the Gonzo, kind of like you know more um, free form camera, you know. Use of amateur type. What happened to Ed Powers? Ed is still out there, I think, but I don't, I don't really know. I saw him one time in a strip club in like, uh, I guess, the early 90s. And I don't know if he was auditioning girls or just taking in the scene, but he's a LA based guy. Most of them are LA based. I remember watching those dirty debutantes. That was it. Like, That's Randy of. West. Yeah. No, no way. that was it. That's Powers. Yeah.
0: And I, I always thought, like, you know, like I could see he represented the everyman. Like he yeah. was like the Frank Capra of
1: porn, the fat guy with the ponytail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but
0: uh, you could tell like there are different periods where he tried to lose weight
1: and he, he yeah, would... yeah, <laughs> yeah. The uh, you know the back freckles that was weird. Yeah, and he always he, he always had to work really hard. And you could tell the girls that he was like the he would pay more money than anybody else, so he would get like the newest the newest girls, the hottest girls. But they all had that look of like, wow, this really is you know maybe it was the lighting, I don't know. But, Do you think uh,
0: there's anything wrong with
1: porn? No, not really. I mean. I don't like high end porn I like I like the amateur you know like I don't need like if I'm looking at it to jerk off I don't need like um, you know the parody or anything like that but when I did the porn awards I realized every other movie they made 7,000 movies this year for the price of what like one Avatar commercial you know and um, how many have you seen though? Did you ever that's about working. six thousand of them? Because <laughs> I'm on the road. No, but I, uh, you know, like they're up against the wall, man. There's like so much free porn on the internet. It's stolen porn, right? You know, and I can't say oh, I've never looked at it. So, right. You know, like who would pay for it if they get it for free? You know. Do you are you uh, you dating anybody? I wish no. Yeah. That's the that's the uh, beauty of L. A. Is that. Everybody wants to talk to someone after a show here, but they don't want to go home with you. They just don't want to go home, yeah. Because <laughs> like everybody knows, they're going back to their sad little apartment in the yeah. Silver Lake with yeah. the cat. And, yeah. You know, Einstein. Quit talking about my life. <laughs> no, I figure a guy like you with a uh, with a female roommate. Yeah. Nothing brings more Poon than uh, an actual female roommate.
0: Yeah, but the house is so quiet, and I, I feel weird about it. I, it's, it's an adjustment. I like her a lot, and I, I like uh, having somebody there. It's nice. It's like being married without all the fucking uh, mm-hmm. horrendous responsibility and uh, paranoia and uh, anger.
1: Well, what does she do? Is she some kind of yoga instructor or something? No,
0: no. She works in the business. Oh. How much are you smoking?
1: About two packs a day. Smoking overseas is um, is pretty difficult. What about uh, booze? None. Really? I don't, I don't drink anymore. How'd that feel? It feels all right. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't miss booze like uh, uh, people think I would because uh, I drank a, a shitload. And I'm not in any program or anything. Like that it's mostly because I have like a you know inflamed kidney and my liver was twice the size of uh, of what it should be. Is that true? Yeah. But. Um, you know, I also stop because like I'm old, and like uh, sitting in the bar as the old man is not the way to go. <laughs> and I don't, you know, like once you give up the whole idea of like something amazing is going to happen if you go to a bar. Oh God! Then you realize that, like you're not missing anything. But uh, if in, you're New drunk, York, in New York, that feeling
0: when you have Coke and you're drunk and yeah. then, like it's
1: three in the morning, you're like, oh, it's all going to turn around any second. You tell me the best, if I can say it, the best Coke story ever, where you go like, uh, drugs in L. A. are the best because you end up. It's somebody's house and it's like you, an ex-stunt man, um, a D-level model yeah. and like um, fill in the name of your favorite, yeah. you know, somebody, yeah, you know, like you'll see some guys like, I thought you were the host of Entertainment Tonight. <laughs> yeah.
0: And you don't know how you got to the room or who's, what neighborhood you're in because you're already fucked up. And there's mm. always some guy that, you know, you don't know and no one really knows that well and he's scary, but he brought the Coke and that's going to be your next 12 hours.
1: Yeah, and that's and that's the thing about LA too is that, no, uh, that all No too. one has anything to do the next day, so they all can like hang out there for a couple days.
0: Well, that thing you said about people not wanting to go home it's like the only way you socialize. If you go to someone's house or you go to a restaurant or a bar, mm-hmm. it's not like New York. You just walk into this like you know ongoing crowd all the right. fucking time. You literally, you, if you're in LA and you drive past a place where there's people
1: outside, you're like, oh fuck, no, I didn't get invited to that. And uh-huh. what's going on there? <laughs> Well, I always think that when you're in L.A. and like you go to a party, you're trapped there because there's like, you know, if you leave, you got to say goodbye to everyone or else you hear about the next day so and they'll go like where are you going like I remember I worked on Ray Romano's show and they were like an adult show so they would have like parties where it'd be like we're going to make our own pizza and like you know (laughs) this guy owns the restaurant (laughs) and he's going to let us all go in there and make our own pizzas and (laughs) there's little kids there and you know like you know everybody family yeah And then you'd be like well I'm going to go over to uh, the improv and do a spot and then get drunk and hopefully bang some kind of whore and they'd be like what (laughs) it's 10 o'clock I mean this party (laughs) is over there's you know we're all going Back to our Very calm Fun lines Yeah
0: our 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 domesticated caves
1: Mm. Where the hell Did you used to drink though I always remember you just disappear Uh, I drank all over In Manhattan But by yourself like Yeah no I knew Like all these bars I would just go to Like bar bars I would never go to clubs Like if you go to New York now uh, it's mostly about like the club scene, kind of yeah. like out here, like Butter and Butter. HQ and all these different places. Holy shit. I never, I've never, you know, been... two
0: more n- names than I do.
1: Yeah, I've never been to any of those Butter?
0: places. <laughs> I'm go to but those Butter. are always
1: the places where um, kids. Well, not so much kids, but just like the up and comer people, you know, like the models and the uh, right, like oh, the cast of Glee is here, you know, or yeah. something like that. So, but uh, you know, like I, I you were at Caroline's and. Like, I just think we get Caroline's, and I remember that bar at Caroline's, like, we used to, like, fucking shut that bitch down, like, just drink and drink, <laughs> throw a couple hundred behind the bar, and, like, I'd be bartending and <laughs> mixing shots <laughs> yeah, yeah. and, you know, like, doing fucking all kinds of crazy drugs, and now, like, you know, I go there, and I tip the, you know, you always tip at the end of the week, and I give the kid a tip to, like, what is this for? I'm like, well, usually the headliner tips out to the bar, and they're like, they're, like oh, wow, because nobody even, like, drinks anymore, you know? And that's how it is. I guess everybody got old. And the younger comics, they're all just smoking pot.
0: Yeah. I don't think pot's good.
1: <coughs> you were never a pot guy, were you? No,
0: I smoked a lot of pot. I just think it's a will killer.
1: At least with booze, you're out in the world fucking things up. Well, but there's never been a better time for potheads than right now. Yeah, quality. You can go to the, you get it from a doctor. You can get it from a doctor. You can um, eat, it, eat it in a brownie form. You know, and that's not just like, you know, you and your friends hanging out because they don't have parents. Yeah. Know, like, let's experiment.
0: Yeah, I missed miss pot, quite honestly.
1: You do? I figured you would smoke a little pot.
0: Nah, don't do nothing. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of nicotine loss. That's too. an
1: order. I think you should smoke a little. You don't think it will take the edge off of you?
0: <laughs> I don't know. I'm already in my head enough. It just makes me more in my head.
1: Yeah. Do you have trouble sleeping at night?
0: Sometimes, but only when I'm at home. In hotels, I sleep very well. Really? Yeah. When when I'm at home, I'm worrying about the noise uh, outside or whether the garage is going to slide down the mountain or or whether or not someone's going to hit me with a bat while I'm sleeping. Yeah,
1: being a homeowner really does suck. Like, my mom's home.
0: Yeah, it never gets done.
1: It's never done, and she has, like, a hoarding problem, so I got to scream at her about having 300 pairs of socks. (laughs) You know, does she really? And then she throws back. Well, if you has heat in here, I wouldn't need all this. No.
0: <laughs> does she hoard stuff?
1: Yeah, she does. But she she's like not a dirty hoarder. She's like a. It's all folded neatly and nicely, and you know, it's in boxes. <laughs> and I'm like, well, who's this for? She's like, oh, I want to give this to like somebody who's already dead. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, oh, I'm like, just get rid of it. And I went through all of our old like photos and oh. slides, and like um, you can slowly see the family de- degenerate into a. Uh, Separate entities. But uh, you know, I put it all on a slideshow for her and I handed her put it all on a frame and I gave it to her for um, Hanukkah. Yeah. And she opens up, she's like, That's so nice, I can't believe it. And then she calls me back an hour later, she goes, So what do I do? Do I plug this in and turn it on? She was just so excited to get a frame. What a sad fucking life. <laughs> Thank you for sending me a box. What a fucking idiot. What an idiot. <laughs> She's just happy to yeah, something. Yeah. Look at him filling out the address and return address.
0: Uh, so, all right, so we're gonna hang out in Seattle then, maybe.
1: I hope so. Well, I definitely want to work with you on the road again. I'm thinking you, me, Tom Rhodes, and Doug Stanhope in the "Woulda, Coulda, Shoulda" tour would be great. Why don't we do that? I like that idea. Woulda, I mean, shoulda, coulda. Yeah, or just like the um, you know poor choices. Okay, something. Yeah, i so now ahead.
0: now I'm gonna get my brain around that. And I think yeah. we, if you're serious about it, we should talk about it. Well to we'll Santa. have guys
1: like rotate in and out so it won't have to be like such a such a thing on people, you know, like you know, book like couple theaters, see how it goes. Right. And then do like uh you know uh, like a kind of round table at the end of that, like how all our careers and lives have gone horribly. Okay. So I mean, you oh be, you
0: want to do actually uh, film it?
1: No. All right. Baby steps. Look at you're
0: already trying no, to sell it. To, I just I want to work comedy I just, I just wanna work. <laughs> let's do it. I got a CAA booker, let's make that happen.
1: <laughs> All right. So that that's what I was that's what I'd like to do cuz um,
0: That's a good lineup too. Me, you, Rhodes and Stanhope.
1: Yeah, I figure between all of us we should be able to draw like, you know, a couple hundred people apiece. I think you Doug know?
0: does pretty good with
1: his people. Well, Doug is the guy who, you know, like if we could talk about one guy who I think is the most pure yeah. evil, real, you know, guy who sticks to what comedy should be, it's him. Yeah. And uh, he'll play anywhere. He plays bar shows to his own disgruntled uh, yeah. crowd, and like they love him, and he's like almost like a Manson or Jim Jones to them. Yeah, we had, he, I had him on, and that was the first time we hung out. We had a great time. Oh, really? And I, I thought you knew him like uh, for a long time. We know of
0: each other. We, you know, our records are produced by the same guy, so we listen to each other's stuff, and he had listened to mine. He sent me a nice email, but we never really talked. Mm-hmm. And then I had him on the show in New York. I went to comics, and we had a really great time.
1: It's hard to get in touch with Doug, because if he's not on the road doing his gigs... Then he's in Bisbee, Arizona, in his um, you know in his small um, desert compound. town, near yeah, compound militia militia training camp. <laughs> and if he's not there, he's in Costa Rica for uh, whatever. So it's kind of you got to catch him at the right moment if you want to talk to him. All right, well, thanks for having me on, man. It's th- always good seeing you. It's and, great uh, seeing you. Man, uh, I appreciate once again, it. Uh, I wish you all the best. And Nobody, I, uh, nobody's do nobody's do a break more than you. I appreciate it, Dave. Go. Thanks for doing it. Uh, nice. <laughs>
0: All right, hold on. Let me turn the light on in my garage. There we go. So uh, I hope you enjoyed that. I love Dave. It was, it was great to talk to him. Uh, here we go. I'm going to do a couple emails before we get out here. Uh, this is re the Avatar issue. I, You know, I get more emails about this fucking Avatar movie. Look, it was garbage. I'm glad you liked it. It was garbage and it was a waste of money. It didn't help anything. That's the way I feel about it. How can you get a movie to make a billion dollars, but you can't get people to reach in their pocket to send people, real people, in five dollars Why, because they're brown and not blue? I mean, what's the issue? Unbelievable. Children, we're fucking children. So I get this email. Hey there, Mr. Marin. I'm Lou, a fan from Brazil. Found your podcast after you went on comedy and everything else and really love it. I'd like to share with you a WTF moment I had last Sunday when I went to see Avatar. I also shared your view that maybe they spent too much money on it. They should be directing those resources to something more useful. And also that was just technology for technology's sake. But since I knew at some point that I would eventually watch it, I decided to do so while high on LSD. So if Cameron's putting $300 million on the pot with this 3D shenanigans, then I'd be raising him a double-sided Hoffman straight from the secret stash, the one for special occasions. Oh my God, that's old school, 60s, real deal acid shit. Double-sided Hoffman. All right, back to the letter. I went to the cinema for an 11.30 a.m. session. That was was pretty empty, which was good because I was already quite high. So the special effects were really awesome. The pseudo-fauna was pretty. The people were blue. The story was very bleak, but I was going along for the ride, trying not to laugh too hard at all the stereotypes and focusing on the good parts. It was all right. I was being entertained. Right about the end, I had a very powerful realization about myself and my life at that particular point. That I was still standing in the hallway staring at the poster. Putting my glasses on and off, and the movie hadn't even started yet. WTF. I guess my point is, don't do drugs. (laughs) On a more serious note, though... The movie really was lame and totally not worth the sensation that my eyes will never really line up properly ever again. I hope he's telling the truth about double-sided Hoffman straight from the secret stash. That's a beautiful line. Here's something I think we can put under the uh, no more crap about you stuff. No more crap about... Is that how, how I say it? Play the music, Brendan. <laughs> Dear Mark, I was online to see a movie the other day when the woman in front of me turned apropos of nothing and wished me a happy Yom Kippur, which, as I'm sure you know, is usually in September or October. I am not Jewish, though I do have a large beard and short hair, which I suppose made me Jewish in her mind. She then said that Yom Kippur was the same as Kwanzaa and that it went until February 14th. She asked if I was Jewish, and I said no, to which she replied, uh, distinctively enunciating you look like him as if the entire jewish population was a single person thought you'd appreciate that nathan from brooklyn you a jew no you look like him beautiful PunchlineMagazine.com for everything you need to know about comedy and everything else. Thank you all for voting for me at the stand up showdown. It seems to have helped. Uh, again, tomorrow night at the UCB Theater, probably sold out, so don't freak out. But next Thursday, January 28th, at the Comedy Central Stage at the Hudson Theater, uh, that's a 7 p.m. show. Could use you there. Could use you there. 323 960 5519. There's a parking lot available, there's street parking. Uh, it's free. Did I mention that before? It's free. JustCoffee.coop. Go do that. You can get it at the website, though. They've uh, they stopped the uh, coupon deal. Some of you are asking, where's the coupon deal? Because some people are still on episode eight. And that deal is over. But the coffee's still good. So do all that. I think I covered everything. I hope you're well. Uh, I hope uh, this brought you some joy and a little bit of sadness. And a little bit of what the fuck. Taking. it easy.